Today we're finally going to get back into the sermon series and talk about uh, the next verse in the Sermon on the Mount. I know I've kind of uh, hyped this up a lot. I didn't try to. I don't want to. I do feel that this is one of the most important parts of the entire scripture. But I do not think that my uh, delivery is going to be worth all the hype that I inadvertently put into it. <clears throat> um, usually when I do uh, an actual sermon, I both record video and audio. This time I'm not. Um, I'm on vacation. And of course, since I'm on vacation, I am sick. So I'm bringing you this live from my bed. So you may hear a difference in my voice. Um, but this is what God has on my heart. I finally have time to do it. So I'm going to do uh, what God commands me to do. So the verse is Matthew 5, 7. It says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And the reason that I think that this is the most important, I feel like this is the crux of everything that comes before it. I've referenced this passage um, either directly or indirectly throughout each portion of this uh, sermon, and the reason that I think it's so important is because God places a lot of importance on this. It's uh, plainly stated, and it's stated in one of the parables, and this is one of the parables that uh, I didn't go over when I did the uh, parable series, because I knew that I would be covering it here. And there's a couple other ones that are also in this series of scripture that I wanted to kind of uh, touch on in this regard rather than just as a parable by itself. Because it builds the entire story that Jesus wants to uh, portray. And I will get to that. So the parable is in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. It says, uh, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some verses say 70 times seven. Uh, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but... 77 times or seven times seven times uh, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt at this the servant fell on his knees before him be patient with me he begged and I will pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. This fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. 
but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went to, and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called to the, the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours before you begged me, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. And this is extremely important in Jesus' eyes. So this should be extremely important in our eyes. This is one of the most uh, hard to deal with portions of scripture in all of scripture, not just the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus is saying this is how the Father will treat each of us unless we forgive our brother or sister from the heart. Now this is not easy. And I actually had to struggle through uh, one of the things I was putting off the sermon is I had to do not only like research, but also some soul searching myself because there are people in my life that have hurt me. And sometimes I feel at peace, like I can move on, yet other times it comes back up and I feel angry again. So, of course, when that stuff happens, you kind of question uh, your your heart. You kind of question whether or not you're actually following this command, and it causes a lot of anxiety. And since I have uh, felt this myself and gotten some answers, I feel like other people probably have this problem as well. And I've done um, – I went through a 12-step program. I did all the steps more than once, and this is a big part of getting sober, too. It's um, universal. This is something that we all have to do, not just for God's sake, but for our sake. This is uh, where we deal with resentment. If a resentment's allowed to stay within us, it causes us a lot of pain. It causes us a lot of hurt. And it causes us a lot of anxiety. And this world is already tailored to give us those things in abundance. We don't need to add to that. Because the Bible says that that's not of God. That's not something that we need to be doing. We need to be obtaining the peace that Christ gives us. And holding on to that peace. And keeping it within our, our grasp, within our hearts, within our minds. That's why we need to fill our hearts and our minds with scripture. We need to apply those scriptures to our lives so that when we face a situation, instead of getting anxious, we become prayerful. We become soul searching. We, we build ourselves up rather than tear ourselves down. And this is something that I struggled with a lot. And um, I don't, if any of you know uh, Brant Hansen, he actually helped me. Uh, with a part of this to um, explain forgiveness to me. And what he said is that forgiveness is not a one-off thing. Forgiveness is something that we do all the time. And the more I dug into the scriptures, the more I studied for this, the more I saw that to be true. The more that I read these verses that I have and other ones that were... Um, 
I probably won't use in the sermon I might use later, touched on this a great deal. And this is something that isn't just a, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. A lot of people have that mentality. A lot of people think that forgiveness is just, I'm going to wash my hands of you. Notice that Jesus did not wash his hands. Pontius Pilate did. So we don't want to model our forgiveness after a sinner. We want to model our forgiveness after Jesus. Jesus never washes his hands of us. Jesus took nails in his hands for us. Jesus washes us with his blood so that we can be united with him. And as I was doing studying for the sermon, I looked up mercy, the word mercy. And in the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, I looked at all the different usages of the word. And one of the words that is translated as mercy is propitiation. And that's a big word. It's a theological concept that's really complicated because it has to do with the atonement. And there's whole long volumes of books that have been written about it. I don't want to sell it short. I don't want to just uh, give you a glaze over of the concept. So I'm just going to basically give you a small uh, snippet of basically what that aspect of it means. And that is to uh, reunite us. The entirety of the atonement is uh, to make us at one with Christ. That's where the word comes from. It's to bring us into community with Christ, to, into community with God through Christ. It's supposed to make us, bring us together with God after we become separated. And God wants us to do the same thing. He doesn't just want us to be reunited with God, but he wants to be us to be reunited with each other. And in this day and time where everything's so polarized, this is difficult. A lot of people try to pick it apart. A lot of people say, no, this is just uh, for the olden days. This isn't ha doesn't have anything to do with my life. They'll try to mistranslate words so that they can get around this part. But we really do have to reunite ourselves with one another. We cannot walk around with hate in our hearts. There's uh, in Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In uh, Luke Jesus says, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. In James, it says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We need to be merciful. This is a part of us. This is something that is imperative to our lives. It's all through Scripture. In Ephesians, it 
Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. This is the epitome of what we are supposed to be as Christians. It says in Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is the kind and ungrate- he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. God wants us to act in this way. These are the marks of a Christian. These are the things that uh, show the world what Christianity is. We've seen a lot of people hurt by the church because they're not living this out. I've walked into so many churches and been judged for different things. My earrings, I've been judged for all kinds of stuff. And it pushed me away. Because if Jesus doesn't want me, then why should I want him? Once I came back to Christ, I realized that's just people talking. People that have never read the words of Jesus or distorted the words of Jesus. If you go into a church and you know more about what they hate than what they love, it's probably the wrong church. If you go to a church and all you hear from the pulpit is politics rather than the love of Christ, you're in the wrong church. Because that's not the things that Jesus told us to follow after. Those are not the things that Jesus told us to care about. The reason that we don't care about this stuff as much is because it causes us to make a sacrifice like Christ did. It causes us to die to our resentments, to die to our anger, to die to the things that want to kill us anyway, and step out to reach our hands out to somebody we may not agree with. This is an act that we have to do constantly. This is not something that we just do once We say a little prayer and move on because that pain is there. We don't know the damage that some of this stuff is doing to us. Scientists find out more and more about how our emotional state relates to our body, how unforgiveness relates to our bodies, how a lot of the pains and anguishes and the sicknesses that we have are directly or indirectly linked to the hate that we harbor in our hearts. These are things that Jesus has been saying for ever, his entire ministry. 
This verse in the Sermon on the Mount is what we are supposed to strive to do. I was told when I had resentments, and I still am working through some of these. It's a continual process. When I was told what to do, and that was to pray for the person, not like uh, pray that they get run over by a car or something, because I know a lot of people that do that, and it still don't work. I mean, they, you know, keep walking, and the people never get over the anger. But if you pray good things for them, blessings for them, God doesn't change that person, but he changes you. He changes your heart. That's the important, the importance of forgiveness, of mercy. And we can't just wash our hands of these people. We have to love these people, regardless of how they make us feel. I was telling somebody the other day that uh, he was asking me how I'd stay so calm and so cool and uh, I, nice to people. And I mean, I'd never knew that really about myself, but I attribute it to the fact that I take Jesus at his word. Jesus says that if you have ever had anger or hatred in your heart, you have committed murder. If you have ever looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery, and so on and so forth. We'll, we'll actually be getting to that and covering that later in the sermon, so I don't want to go too much into it now. But if you are constantly repenting to God of murder and adultery, you are in a place where you kind of look at everybody else and you're like, well, man, maybe they're not so bad. When you look at your life the way that Jesus looks at you, it's kind of hard to hold the uh, mirror to somebody else. And when you get to this place, it's so freeing. I'm not completely there. I still have to work with some, some of this stuff every day. When I was... Uh, you know, I, I don't go to AA meetings as much as I should. I haven't been in a little while. But uh, I do stay, uh, do practice the principles, and I do stay close to, my, to God. But one of the times that I went, they, um, at one of my groups, we started doing a coin that was a resentment coin, where you take it, hold on to it, make amends with the person you uh crush the resentment and basically become reunited with that person just as the bible says and then you talk about it to uh the rest of the group to talk about how you resolve the resentment and then you finally drop it you put it down and it's not yours anymore and sadly <laughs> I still have that inside of, uh, I have a tin that I keep coins that I collect and it's actually inside of there. And, uh, so I'm still working on it. I'm still, uh, praying and I'm still, you know, putting the effort in, but the more and more I work at it, 
the more and more I'm able to let go. The more and more I let go, the more peace there is in my life. Because in order to make room for something, you have to clear something else out. It all depends on what you want to have inside of your heart. Do you want the anger and malice? Or do you want the peace? Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? These are the decisions we have to make. And we can't make them by ourselves. Our heart is wicked and it'll lead us the wrong way every time. So when we come to Christ, broken and full of questions and full of these angers, he wants to take those from us. He wants to take those problems and he wants to bring us in unity with our brothers and sisters. He wants us to be able to come to him with anything, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it may be. And he wants us to tell him the truth. He wants us to tell him what uh, is bothering us. He wants us to lift our brothers and sisters up in prayer. That's what God wants. God wants us to be blessed. These are blessings. These, this uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes, which means blessings. These are blessings that God is trying to give us. These are not things that God is trying to make us uh, stress about or toil for he wants us to really and truly uh, make the same types of sacrifices that he made for us he wants us to offer what he gave to us to others if you've been forgiven a great debt are you really going to Look at somebody else and try to exact a smaller one from them. Do you think that you should take the uh, the things that you were forgiven of and then apply them to somebody else? I know a lot of people in church that are uh, cruel to one another, that point out each other's sins because they want to feel better about themselves. This is not forgiveness. This judgment that our society is so full of is not what Christ envisioned for the church. If the world can only see what you hate, they're not going to do the math and figure out what you care about. They're just not. They're just going to assume you hate everything, and they're never going to darken your doorstep. They're going to look at you and think, well, if they think that I belong in hell, then what's stopping me from living my life the way that I feel that I should? 
and that is the wrong thing to do. We're closing off our doors. We're preaching to people who call themselves Christians instead of reaching out to the world like Jesus wants us to. If you look at Jesus's life and see the people that he spent time with, they were not perfect people. Nobody is perfect. But Jesus loved them anyway. He washed Judas's feet right before he betrayed him, knowing Judas would betray him. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus would, if Judas would have uh, repented, he would probably still be considered one of the twelve. But he didn't. He may have felt a prick in his conscience, but he didn't turn from his wicked ways. He let them consume him. So do we want to live our lives? Now, Peter. Peter denied him three times. Peter watched him go to the cross. Instead of standing by his side, Peter watched him go to his death, knowing Jesus knew in his heart that Peter was going to do that, that he was going to accept that path. He was going to accept the path of sin as Jesus went to the cross to forgive him of it. But Jesus showed mercy. When Jesus came back, he used that sin to build his church on Peter, to make Peter his voice to the Jews. And Peter didn't automatically become great. Peter didn't automatically start doing all the right stuff because Paul had to tell him a couple of times what he has done. That was wrong. He tried to go back to Judaism to appease the people, and Paul called him on it. Yet he is still considered a saint, and he is still considered Jesus' uh, number one apostle in spite of his failures. So you have two different people. Both are full of sin. Both are responsible for the death of Jesus. And, com and Peter committed sins all throughout that time period as he watched Jesus go to the cross. And Jesus forgave him because he was repentant. Instead of just being burying himself in his guilt, he admitted his guilt in front of Jesus and offered it to him. There's um, this is a, a Catholic uh, person. They call her uh, Sister Faustina, and she had a conversation with God where. Uh, she was saying that she would give him all her life and everything that she had. And Jesus said, you have not offered me the one thing that is truly yours. My daughter, give me your failings. The only thing we really have to give to God is our sins. Those are the only things that truly come from us. Our talents come from God. Our breath comes from God. Our words come from God. The sin is the only thing that we have claim to. Those are the only things that we own ourselves.
So when we give ourselves to Christ, we need to give it all. Take the dirty stuff with the good, and Jesus will replace our garments and make us clean again. But this only happens if we're willing to do this with our brother and sister. In another verse, I thought I had it in my list, but I don't. It says that before you even go to church, before you even go to the altar to pray, you need to make it right with your brother beforehand. You cannot even approach the throne of God until you have made peace. This is something that we need to keep in mind. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get stressed. It's easy to look at somebody else and point out all their failings instead of looking at our own hearts. It's easy to be forgiven of sin. It's easy to sing the songs in church about Christ's blood cleansing us. It's another thing to offer that same thing to somebody else. There are people in my life that have caused me pain. And when I look at it, I see that I've caused them pain too. I'm not responsible for the pain that they caused me. I'm responsible for the pain that I caused them. If I can keep that in mind, if I can keep myself clean by offering Jesus and them what, what I've done, and making that right, then that's all I can do. And I know that this is a very hard thing to do. It's going to require a lot of prayer. And when you pray, and you pray the good things for the person, some, when you start, you're not going to mean it. God knows that. God knows our shortcomings. God knows our failures. He knows that he made us out of the dirt from the ground. But we need to do it anyway, because only God can change our hearts. So if you're in a place where you're resentful and angry, give it to God so that you can make it right. There's no use carrying around that pain that could manifest in so many ways in your body, your mind. You know, anxiety and depression are... Uh, you know, chemical imbalances in your brain. And, um, you know, a lot of people have those things. A lot of people don't. Um, some people say, oh, yeah, I was depressed this one time, but that's not the same thing. People get upset, people get anxious, and then there's a real legitimate chemical imbalance in the brain that causes clinical depression and clinical anxiety. Now, these things could also be caused by that because it says that in scientists say that when you hold on to these grudges and stuff, you are holding on to something that's poisoning you. It raises the inflammation in your body, which means that it changes your uh, hormone levels. It changes the chemistry of your body. And one, I've read in a book that one in every two people that dies, dies of inflammation. You are really and totally 
drinking poison. You are allowing poison to flow through your body when you refuse to forgive. So, if you look at these verses and you think, well, I don't know. That's that's just for the past. That's just for the the olden days. I can probably just be, you know, he he probably meant that as a standard that we could never live up to. So he just told us that so that we could rely on his grace. That's only half true. We can only do anything through his grace. But this is something that we can do in our lives and we should do. Not only does the Bible say it, but science says it in multiple places. This is something that's thoroughly been researched. They say that you should wake up, make a gratitude journal every day, write down the things that you're grateful for so that you can focus on those things instead of what's tearing you apart. You should pray for people who you don't like and pray good for them so that it'll change your heart. Even if it never changes them, it'll change you. You'll find that you're not as bitter anymore. Not because they've changed, but because you have. And a lot of people say, well, I will do that if they just apologize for what they did. But that's not your responsibility. That is not a prerequisite. You don't have to do that. They don't have to, for, to say sorry for you to forgive them. You forgive them because you are a child of God. You forgive them because Jesus did that to you. So if there's anybody out there that's struggling with this, and I know I'm sure there are, uh, maybe you feel like you've been trying and you just haven't been able to forgive that person. You felt bad about yourself for it. I want to offer you, you know, the advice that was given to me. That it's not just a one-time thing. This is something that we do for our whole lives. Christ's sacrifice for us was for all time, not just for one time. Jesus didn't die before we were born and then say, well, anything that happens after this is, uh, you know, forget about it. No, Christ's sacrifice was for once and for all. Anybody that chooses to claim it for themselves can have it. And I want to pray with you guys. Oh, Heavenly Father, no matter what point in forgiveness everybody is, anybody that can hear my voice, God, please let them be able to come to you with these things. Change their hearts so that they can deal with these situations better. A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people have been uh, betrayed. Remind them that you've been those things too, God. Remind them what your sacrifice cost. Remind them of the sacrifice we're supposed to be making. Remind us all that we choose as Christians to drink from the same cup you do. To carry our crosses like you did. 
and to crucify our flesh just like your flesh was crucified for us. God, remind us every moment of every day to pray for those who have hurt us, to love those who hate us, and to show the world who you really are through us. Help us to be the light of the world again. Let's step away from the politics. Let's step away from the ideology. Let's step away from everything that is holding us back from holding one another. I thank you for all you do for us, God. I pray that you bless every single person that can hear this. Uh, I pray that you bless those who have harmed us. And I thank you for all of your many blessings, God. We love you and praise you, and it's in your Holy Son's name, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, as always, you can share or uh, you know like, subscribe to this, because if you subscribe, it makes it look better in the uh, selection of these things. So in order to get God's word out, um, just... You click the subscribe button on whatever uh, podcast app you're using. And I appreciate all of your support. I do this for free. I really want to spread the word of God. This is something that I'm passionate about. This is something that I'm grateful to be doing. And I want this gift uh, to go as far as God will allow it. I thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you guys next time.